0: super talk mississippi media production
1: talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live this is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
0: Welcome back to Coast View. We've got Steve Azar with us, host of In a Mississippi Minute and the, the uh, music and cultural ambassador for the state of Mississippi. And where we were in the conversation when we went to the break is you were talking about the story of waiting on Joe. Why don't you kind of pick up the story from where you left off?
1: Well, there were so many Joes in my life. And then I was cutting the grass, I'll never forget. And... It hit me. I said, wait a minute. And I've written this song on piano. So at this point, I don't think it's a song at all. Trust me. And then I said, wait a minute, waiting on Joe. I ran in, sweating. And then I had a little studio upstairs and uh, I I went in and put it all down on the piano. And the funny thing was, at this point, I would worked with the biggest producers, the biggest everybody. And I, I don't have to be me till Monday. And all these other songs were recorded already in a basement. With my my other producer, who really figured me out, named Ray Van Hoy, and so we had this whole record made. I don't have to be Meetle Monday was on every record label's desk for two years, just sitting there. They didn't think anybody would ever play it, and so they didn't think it was country or whatever. But or I was country or whatever. But anyway, long story short, I put it down. And all of a sudden, the labels heard waiting on Joe, and I said, "What are you talking about?" So I played it for my producer. My producer sneaks out and plays it for somebody else, and I'm going like, and that that's when I get signed. And they said, "This is what we've been waiting on." And I said, "Are you kidding me? It's not even a song, <laughs> and, but it was a, it was a song, and it was the most pivotal learning experience because for the first time in my life, I wasn't trying to write a song; I was just trying to be honest, and right. that was the key. And so when so I had to explain it. And Morgan, so I wrote this thing that, and obviously Morgan Freeman said yes. We just wanted his voice in it. And he said, I'll be in it. And I said, Really? You know, mm-hmm. so it was a big moment for me. And, and Morgan and I have become friends ever since. And, and, and what a gift he gave for me to do that. That put me on the map, him. And listen, it, it depicted my entire life growing up. So I came back home, used the people that I knew uh, my cousins, my friends, the places. And hey, it, it, you know, that, that honesty really worked out. It taught me a lot about songwriting. So
0: you were you were a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, a little bit yeah. blues. Yeah. So that actually was a challenge for you. I mean, defining defining you. And you wouldn't you, you weren't just willing to just change. You wanted to you needed to be you. And that was part of the struggle, wasn't it?
1: Well, Ricky, the this is a perfect example. My my agent, who's one of my best friends in Nashville, he is the the agent of the stars, right? Uh, he's like, we spent Thanksgiving giving together this year with our families. He has Keith Urban. He's got Darius. He's got everybody. Right. And he came to my, kept coming to my show. and said, Steve, you're, I think that you're missing the point. And I think you're too Mississippi. But I said, Darren, on every album that I write, there's, I get to turn and go home. And when I go live, I want people to understand that half of my show, just like half of my album has to be that because i want people to under i want to take people to where i grew up and that's what all the critics were writing about that's what bob seger loved that's what then the fans were on their feet that's the songs they jumped up and down about so now i get to do it full time and uh it's exciting because i got a whole new record coming out this summer and a vinyl record called my mississippi reunion a record i made at delta state with the kids there uh, a song called midnight rosedale I had, Rena Laura just came out. I've got. I just wrote Cold Water and City Limit Signs, City Town Signs. Little small rural towns in Mississippi. I I don't see them as towns. I almost see them as women. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and they and they yeah. turn into they turn into characters in my songs. And uh, and so uh, there's so much inspiration here. But the truth is, yeah. Nashville was a, a little bit upset with me because I was so Mississippi. But the fans were not. They loved it. I could see yeah. that they wanted me to be honest. That's it.
0: Well, your root is Greenville. That's where yeah. your root is, is. And you were right. born there on April the 11th, 1964. Yeah. Uh, what was it like growing up in Greenville?
1: It's a little different than coming back full circle. You know, life goes by and you have kids and all that. But it was awesome, man. We were on our bikes, uh, we would drive 40 miles a day. You know, we'd go everywhere. I mean, I can't tell you the ICES that I was an icy. I, I see, is there an icy holic if there's a such thing? <laughs> I could eat uh, 10 ICES a day. And, um, and we were very we had a very athletic class. I remember I was on the all-star basketball team in sixth grade that we won the state championship out of here. There was a lot of great athletes. I'll tell you something. Being in an athletic class and going from a really good athlete to getting small to getting strong again in college. I went through an ugly duckling stage as an athlete, uh, and but but competing and losing, learning to cope with losing. You lost way more than you won, but when you mm-hmm. won and you won you won a big title, you state titles, which we were fortunate enough to do some here and there. Man, the feeling was crazy. So I treated music like a sport. I understood that the hard work you had to put in. And even if you put it in, there's still going to be somebody better. So you better really work hard. So growing up in the Delta was that, but it was also music was all around me. So there was this sports side and there was this music side. And there was a man named Eugene Powell behind my dad's liquor store. When I walked back there at five o'clock in one afternoon, I remember being, I think I may have been in my baseball uniform. I walked back there. He is right there. He's so beautiful. And he, he let me sit there. And there were postmen on milk crates listening. And whatever it was he was selling them, he sold me big time. I raced home, and I, I started writing writing poetry and, and song form. And then I said, i got to learn to play guitar. And in three months, I was able to put those songs. And I think I was 10 years old. Uh, and th- that was the beginning of my journey. I was hooked. Ricky, wow. I was hooked.
0: Your dad owned the first legal liquor store yeah. in the state of Mississippi.
1: Who does that? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> and he, he was, didn't drink. He didn't no, drink. No, no, he still. It's so interesting. Uh, he, which was good for for his business because he didn't drink. The profits, but but he went to Notre Dame. He he grew up here. He went to Notre Dame, and then he was in Keesler for a number of years. I don't know how many, but he did his Air Force time there. Came home, and I guess Prohibition, everything sort of worked out in his favor, and he ended up opening the first legal liquor store. And these blues legends would hang out behind it. And, uh, you know, Greenville was a centerpiece for a lot of blues legends. So Eugene just happened to live a few houses down. Uh, and it was it was uh, pivotal in everything that I've become. And th- we, you and me are not talking together. If dad doesn't do that and I don't walk back behind that store, there's no way.
0: It, no isn't way. that so interesting how there are these moments in your life that can change the trajectory of your life? They're just defining yeah. moments. Yeah. I mean, everyone yeah. has them.
1: Well, and I think you, that that was not the biggest crossroad of my life. I think the biggest crossroad was deciding to move back home after all these years, but it was definitely a place where there was an intersection, and I, and it was something that I chose to do, that uh, that you know put me on a bit of a roller coaster ride uh, that I'm on because because musically I'm who I am. Uh, it's not simple, uh, but it sure feels good when I'm writing it and I get to play it for people. You know, but right now obviously I'm dying to go out and play it for people. I'm I'm I'm, I'm chomping at the bits. My wife is cutting eyes at me. She's never seen me so much. You know, <laughs> so anyway, like, who are you? Why are you still here?
0: You know. <laughs> well, you—you know, obviously have a great relationship, or yeah, she's great. You know, she's great. You seem like a super happy guy. I feel the same way about my wife. Hey, by the way, Jason, has he always been around you?
1: My boy Jason Young, are you kidding? Listen, he was selling my merchandise, right? And I had these girls that were backup singers called the Kinleys, and they just got a record deal for Sony, so they—they they weren't going to go to this show with me in Kansas City. And I, I looked at Jason and I said, I knew he came to town to be a singer and a songwriter. And so I said, Jason, do you think maybe you can blow off selling merch and uh, and come sing? And he goes, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> and so I look back there when we're playing this show and he's more entertaining than me. And I'm <laughs> going like, he's playing percussion. We put him on percussion and he's the guy that you go, hey, Jason, I need you to go to the moon today. Can you figure out how to fly the spaceship? And he goes, yeah, yeah I got it. Anyway, he's so funny. And so anyway, I saw him back there. So I moved him out in the front like the Neville brothers, you know, back in the days of watching the Neville's the percussionist brother was out front. And, and I said, he's got to be out front. So we were, that was another turning point when everybody was going like, why is your percussionist sharing the spotlight? And why is he out front? That doesn't look right. And I said, it's, it's right. And he deserves to be out there and he makes me happy. <laughs>
0: so you know, what what's 20, the 25 interesting? years,
1: 25 yeah. years.
0: He's a jack of all trades yeah. but um in the in the movie I mean excuse, yeah in the in the documentary uh, something in the water the way he interacts with the Kingsmen is so interesting to watch he reminds me of a dear friend of mine his name is Tim Hotrod Mark he died this year unfortunately from a from a heart attack but but he was a special guy he was always the life of the, to- of, the, uh, of, the uh, of the of the party he could tell a story as good as anybody and you yeah. know, watching Jason interact in that way, you can see he has multiple roles. So you're lucky to have someone like that with you. And you yeah. obviously you're surrounded by other special people. But he, something about he, Jason just just drew he, me. He,
1: either I'm his Ed McMahon or he's my Ed McMahon. I always make the joke, you know, the sidekick. You know, I I, I call him my tanto. I just wind him up and then I let him go. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so how many songs have you written now? I mean.
1: I don't know, man. My my wife's been trying to get all my publishing together and my different publishing companies from Nashville, and I mean, there's thousands. I don't know. I mean, I, but I tell you what, over the last over the last probably 12 years, I, I've been writing by myself now because I moved back home. There yeah. was no co-writing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, but I was prepared for that, and I feel like that I'm really writing the best stuff of my life, and I know that I don't want that to sound like I'm just saying it, but it, I am.
0: Let's do this, because I do. I agree that some of your best years are ahead of you. When we come back from the break, we'll finish that thought. And then I want to tell the story of There's Something in the Water, because it's 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 such a fascinating, incredible documentary and experience. People will enjoy hearing it. This is Steve Azar, and we'll be back after this break.
1: Follow Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Supertalk MS Coast 103.1.